The market for Damian Lillard has reportedly expanded to include both Toronto and Boston. So with that in mind, we bring on the host of Locked On Raptors and Celtics to break down what each team might offer for Lillard and how it compares with Miami's reported offer. Plus the latest news and information, all that and more on today's episode of Locked On Heat. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on Miami Heat. I'm Mark Goldberg. Joining me as always is Dave Vermill. However you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. Got a great show for you all today. John Corrales of Locked On Celtics will join us later to discuss why he thinks the Celtics trading for Damian Lillard is a bad idea, and we'll get to the latest reporting around Damian Lillard. But before we get to that, a shout-out to everybody who is subscribed. We have officially reached 10,000 YouTube subscribers, a great milestone for us before the season starts. Thanks to everybody who has subscribed already. And if you haven't, now's a great time to hit that subscribe button here on YouTube and stick with us. Through this Damian Lillard situation, when training camp begins next week, we really do appreciate it. But let's get into the meat of the show. We've got Sean Woodley, who does a great job as host of Locked on Raptors with us right now. Sean, let's just jump right into this. The Raptors were reported by ESPN on Monday to be the front runners to land Damian Lillard. Why do you think Toronto is interested in Dame and why are they talking to Portland now? I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I think they'd be interested in Dame. Number one is uh, they don't really have a point guard right now. Yes, Dennis Schroeder got signed in the offseason. That's all nice and good. But if you're going into a season with Dennis Schroeder as your starting point guard, you're not in a very good position. I don't care what he did in FIBA. It was awesome. Great for him winning MVP of the World Cup. But he's been awesome for Germany his entire career and remains Dennis Schroeder in the NBA. And so losing Fred Van Vliet, you know, you saw a whole lot of three-point shooting, self-creation walk out the door. This is a team that doesn't have a lot of three-point shooting or self-creation now. And they're also at this weird crossroads as a franchise where they have Scotty Barnes, they have Pascal Siakam, they have OG Ananobi, all good players, all exciting players, all players that any team would want to have. But the fit's weird. The trade for Jakob Pertl at the deadline last year, while it improved the team, made the fit even weirder because he can't shoot. And they're just kind of itching for some sort of declaration of the direction of the franchise. They're kind of in this in-between zone right now. They have two big pending UFAs and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi going into this season, which kind of hangs over the whole thing. And, you know, I think their intention for most of it has been, hey, let's just go in. We'll make Scotty Barnes the lead guard and just see how it works. I don't think that's a good idea because I don't think the roster is set up for Scotty Barnes to succeed there or, or even, you know, find a way to thrive in any way. I don't think it's going to be good for his development to play in an offense where there's just no spacing and no other shot creation or, or pull up shooting to, to speak of. And so you look at Dame Lillard and the sort of depressed market for him. You look at what the Heat are offering. And I think the Raptors look around and say, you know what? We can beat that offer. And so that, that's why I think that at this point, 
they are very much, you know, I, I think pretty considerable, um, if not favorites, like certainly co-favorites to land Dame. And I, and I think it makes a lot of sense for the team. There are downsides, which we can get into, you know, you know, the long-term outlook, you know, future pick outlay, the age of Dame, will Dame actually want to go to Toronto, all of that. But as a basketball fit, it makes a ton of sense. And I think there are multiple different iterations of trades the Raptors can offer up as well here uh, to try to make something work so that the team that Dame arrives on actually has a chance of competing in the East. I think that's a major point of contention for Heat fans because I think when they're looking at you know Dame's initial request and his desire to play for a quote-unquote title contender and things of that sort, and they see Toronto's name all of a sudden come into these trade talks, and the discussion, at least from the Heat fan perspective, has been a lot of, well, what's the difference if they if they wind up trading either Scotty Barnes or OG Anunoby? You know, they're not really title contenders. Even acquiring Dame doesn't necessarily make them contenders. But you have a differing point of view. Can you get into that a little bit and say why they should go ahead and acquire Lillard, even if it doesn't necessarily put them into, let's say, the top bracket of East uh, Eastern Conference title contenders? Yeah, I kind of feel like in our uh, collective NBA GM brain, we've gotten to this point where it, it's like, a trade is not worth doing unless it makes a team a title contender. And I just think that's like a dumb thing to have as like the bar to clear to make a trade justifiable for a team. No, the Raptors won't be an inner circle title contender if they trade for Damian Lillard, but they'll be a lot closer than they are right now in their current predicament. And they have probably in Pascal Siakam, the best teammate that Dame Lillard will have ever played with. Like that's a serious duo you can go to work with in the Eastern Conference. You know, maybe you, you think LaMarcus Aldridge was a better teammate back in the day or whatever, but uh, Pascal is like a six assist a night guy. He's a dude who can create his own shot. His fit with Dame would be fantastic. Just you look back at, Ky- at Pascal Siakam's fit with Kyle Lowry back in their heyday, 2019-20 in Toronto. Those two dudes were unstoppable as a two-man tandem. And Dame's just like a supercharged version of that version of Lowry on offense. And so the fit makes sense. And, you know, the Eastern Conference, you guys are no strangers to this. The Eastern Conference is weird. It's wobbly at the top. We don't know what the future of the Bucks is going to be. The Celtics just, you know, traded away their heart and soul for a guy who most people just kind of think is like a drag to watch and be around in Kristaps Porzingis. They're banking on injured and or old and or both front, you know, bigs in the front court. Like, they have less playmaking than they had last year, where that was always a big issue for them. They're not perfect. The Sixers, we know what's going on with the Sixers. It's not like the East is this like unstoppable, you know, the gauntlet full of incredible juggernaut teams. If you can put yourself in the conversation to be one of the four or five best teams in the East, which I do think a Lillard and Siakam led Raptors team would be, then I think it's worth doing. Like, yeah, maybe they don't win a title, but they have a lot of fun. They have a few good seasons. And, you know, if you keep Scotty Barnes around, you still have a line to the future as well in a 22-year-old who you would think benefits from playing alongside Dame Lillard and Pascal Siakam for the next couple seasons. Like, I just, the idea that every trade has to leave the team making the trade in position to go win a championship right away is just so silly to me. And there's room for fun. There's room for good teams that don't win championships. And I I think the Raptors are in a spot right now where their alternative is really not fun team with big questions hanging over them and a a potential long stretch of pain anyway. So if there's going to be pain, if things blow up in a Dame Lillard trade situation, it's probably coming anyway in some way, shape, or form. At least you had some fun along the way and put yourself in the conversation to go win the East, right? Like, I think that team would have like a 10, 15% chance of winning the Eastern Conference. If you can win the conference, you can win the championship. We've seen it before. Things break weird. And I think 
this deal would put the Raptors in the position to benefit from weird stuff happening in a league where it's more wide open than it's really ever been. First of all, I agree with you on the overall concept of we kind of judge these trades like, okay, now are you going to go win the championship? And like you said, there's no way of knowing. And if you could put yourself at the top and give yourself a path, that's what you do. And by the way, the Miami Heat have been doing that now for four years, and they've been on the doorstep of a finals three of those four years. That's mm-hmm. basically what they've done. No, Nobody has ever pegged the Miami Heat, nor should they have, as the favorites to win the championship going into any of those seasons, and yet there they were. Um I do. There's a couple things I want to get to here in terms of the long term viability of the Toronto Raptors if they were able to pull off a Damian Lillard trade. But you've mentioned Scotty Barnes now a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Is it safe to say that he's off the table in a Dame trade? I think so. You know, I think there's an argument for including Scotty over OG just as like a fit question, right? Like, I think Dame, OG, Pascal, Yak is like your top four is a ready made, okay, you can go to war with that team and probably be pretty good. I think probably from the Raptors' perspective, Scotty is sort of like the untouchable golden boy. And that makes sense, right? He's 22 years old. He's a former Rookie of the Year. Yes, he plateaued a bit last season, but there's still a lot of good stuff in his game. And so I think if they were to include Scotty Barnes, who I think just like on pure trade value has more trade value than OG does right now, I think they're almost bidding against themselves in that case, because I honestly think you can put together a deal with OG as the centerpiece that beats the Miami offer or whatever offer the Celtics might be able to put out there or any of the other teams that might be in the conversation. And so I think it's just a matter of, you know, the not wanting to bid against yourself. And also I think it does sort of, it sort of splits the baby a little bit, right? You get Dame, pair him with Pascal, but you also have Scotty as a fail-safe in case things blow up. Or a year from now, if things are looking okay, but you want to rebalance the roster, Scotty becomes a trade chip on his own, right? And you can potentially flip him into dudes who better fit alongside Damon Pascal if it's not working out. So I think it's just kind of like a bit of a, a pivot point for the future to keep Scotty on the team. And for that reason, I think it's probable that he's untouchable. But again, I think there's an argument basketball-wise for including him. And if, I, if I'm the Raptors, like if I was the GM, I would probably not have any qualms about it, but I'm mm-hmm. notoriously low on young players. So I'm probably not the right person to ask. <laughs> a lot of your peers in Toronto seem to be... Uh... Well, poo-pooing the, the idea of the trade for Damian Lillard. What's the rationale behind that? Obviously, you're for the trade for Lillard, but other reporters seem to be kind of opposed to the idea. Is it just about breaking up that young core or about a nebulous future or perhaps, as we just said, because they're not a guaranteed shoe-in for a title at that point in time? I think it's the the not a guaranteed shoe in to win a title thing. I think it's the sort of weird divergent timeline thing that everyone's so fixated on. Oh, I gotta have players who are the same age. But you can have a dude who's thirty three and a dude who's twenty nine and a dude who's twenty two and have a sensible basketball team. Like I, I get so annoyed where it's like everyone must be 24 otherwise this team is garbage like it, it just i don't know i'm not saying that's what raptors you know onlookers are saying as like a as a broad sort of general sweeping statement but i do think that kind of thing seeps in and i do think like there are notable downsides right number one being dame maybe not wanting to go to toronto which i think mark spears poured some water on and i just have never believed for one second that dame's not going to report to this the, tr- the team he gets traded for if it's not miami like i think he's using the only power he has to get to the place he wants to go as a dude with four years on his contract making the money he's making he is trying to bully his way there essentially him and his his representation are and i don't blame him for that like this is the game this is nba player empowerment you do what you got to do to move 
But I'm going to judge Dame Lillard on the 12 years of him being universally seen as like the best locker room guy in basketball and not judge him on the four months of a trade request that we're kind of on uh, going through right now as far as like what his character is as a dude and what he's going to mean, what he's going to do when he arrives in Toronto if that happens. Like the Raptors were not worried about Kawhi Leonard being on an expiring contract and maybe not reporting. Dame Lillard, as much as the outgoing trade might cost them more to get Dame than Kawhi, the four-year runway on his contract, the $50 million he stands to lose if he doesn't show up, and just the general reputation that Damian Lillard carries, I don't think they suggest that he's just going to sit out and and make a big scene. In fact, he'll be playing on a pretty good team that has a real shot at being pretty good in the Eastern Conference, and my guess is that he'd be like, all right, let's go. This This is cool. I didn't go to Miami. That's fine. Toronto's a pretty good place to be. And, you know, the Raptors also have a pretty good track record, Kawhi notwithstanding, of trading for guys who maybe were a little bit reticent about going to Toronto, and then they fall in love with it when they're there. That's like a pretty recurring trend in recent Raptors history as well. So I don't think they're worried about that part, but I do think the fan base at large is concerned about that because you don't want to make a big trade for a dude who's not going to play for you. I just think those concerns are pretty unfounded. Sean Woodley, the host of Locked on Raptors. Sean, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate the insight into what Toronto is thinking and sort of the decision that is up in the air for them right now. So uh, we appreciate the time coming up. John Corrales, host of Locked on Celtics, joins the show to discuss the Celtics' perspective. And if their best offer is better than Miami's best offer, I have a sense, David, that we're going to disagree with our friend John. That's coming up next here on Locked on Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace Case is to fill out a sample online form, a simple online form, excuse me. In some cases, you jump in a quick call with one of our board-certified physicians. You get ongoing care from our physicians and any treatment-related questions, doctor-created, doctor-recommended. Look, medicines come in short supplies. There's a problem with a supply uh, delivery that didn't exist years ago. But if you want to have safe and available medical care at your fingertips, fingertips. The, the Jay's case is the one for you. It's just so easy to get what you're looking for in the Jay's case. Uh, you know, Frank uh, writes a review that I think is a really great one. He says, I received their package the same day I got a sinus infection and my doctor was out of town. No appointments for days. Thank goodness it arrived. That's so easy. You just get what you need right away so that you can take care of your medical condition immediately. Get $20 off right now on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Every day, as we'll be back tomorrow with a breakdown of what players he could trade for if they can't complete a Damian Lillard deal. So make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. John Corrales, the host of Locked on Celtics, does a great great job covering the Celtics over there. He joins us now. John, let's just jump right into this. Why does Vegas all of a sudden think the Celtics have a chance to trade for Damian Lillard? No idea. No clue. Maybe because Malcolm Brogdon is reportedly rumored to be upset and the Celtics might be looking to trade and people go, oh, those salaries, you, you can make salaries match and all that stuff. Uh, I, I don't see it happening. I don't see Boston having that interest. I think they've made their choice with Kristaps Porzingis. They are already in a very, very difficult financial position. They can't trade Jalen Brown. So that's, I don't know how it's possible that Boston could get into 
the Damian Lillard sweepstakes. Now they could somehow say, Hey, third team, fourth team, maybe we can throw uh, something into the mix. I never rule that out, but as far as a landing spot for Damian Lillard makes no sense. What is it possible that because I guess the market for Dame isn't what maybe a lot of people anticipated it to be when he originally made the trade demand in July, like obviously the Jalen Brown extension takes him off the table, but maybe it doesn't take a player like Jalen Brown. Maybe it takes a Robert Williams and a few, like the Celtics have a bunch of draft picks. They have the 2024 pick coming over from golden state. That's top four protected. Like, is that maybe what people are thinking here is that, you know what? It really wasn't, maybe it doesn't even cost that much to get Dame. Well, if, if this is going to be a competition of everybody's kind of second tier offer and no one's trying to beat that wonderful Miami heat offer that I know everybody, everyone down in that zip code is like, Oh, this is the best thing you can offer for a 33 year old guy. That's he's some simultaneously, just aging out, but also the absolute key to your title hopes. Right. But anyway, we agree on that. Yep. The, we're, all, <laughs> we're all on the same page here. Moving I, on. <laughs> I think the Celtics can they can they put a an offer that is competitive with you know Miami without throwing. I mean, I'm, Miami's not offer a uh, Toronto without throwing in Siakam. Uh, any other deal without throwing in their star? Maybe if if the Celtics feel like. Robert Williams is expendable because of the Porzingis deal, which he's not. But if people, you know, want to assume that uh, mm. and say, "Hey, maybe we can get rid of a, a injury-prone guy," then him with Brogdon to make the salaries match, and Portland saying, "Well, we can get an expiring, basically an expiring deal, or, or guys with their deals coming up soon enough where we're tanking anyway. It doesn't matter." I guess I guess you can talk yourself into into something. With is, that, is that the framework of a, a reported framework of a deal for the Celtics? It would be Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, and just what two, three first round I, picks, something along those I, lines. I, I mean, it would it would kind of have to be. I can't imagine what the what the other right numbers would be because it, it, you can say Al Horford, but you know he's yeah doesn't quite I, fit I, what I, Portland's looking for either. No, and I I don't know what Portland's trying to do. Is Portland trying to tank? Is Portland trying to field a competitive team? The right. West is so good. Like you're not gonna you're trading away Dame. You're tanking. You're starting over. So uh but regardless, just throwing contracts together without obviously again the, the rumor prior to Jalen Brown signing the extension would have included Jalen Brown. Right. But he now has a no trade clause for one year. And that's, I suppose they could say, hey, we don't want you anymore. You're going to go to Portland. He'd probably still say no. Uh, so I, I'm i struggling. I'm, I'm kind of hemming and hawing here because I don't see a competitive. And, and right. beyond, beyond all that, beyond all of that, no one seems to be taking into account that the Celtics are $3 million from the second apron. I wanted to get to this. And, yeah. and you can get. This year, you can maybe make some salaries match. You can stay that like that close. But next season, you would have Jalen Brown at his $52 million first year of his extension. Porzingis at $25 million the first year of his extension. Uh, Damian Lillard at, what is he, at $450 million or whatever he's at. And then Jason Tatum, who is a year away from you know opting out and getting his new deal. Right. You're 
way, way, way over. And if you're and talking about having to build a team around Dame, Tatum, and Jalen Brown, what you would need to do is get those all the, the the exceptions and all these things to fill out the rest of the roster, which you're not allowed anymore when you're past that second apron. So just filling out the rest of the roster becomes extremely difficult. I'm with you. I never really bought the Celtics as because all the things that you're talking about, there's so many reasons. I guess the one thing I would say is, well, we didn't think that Celtics were a serious contender for Kyrie Irving, and then they put all the picks and all the stuff on the table for Kyrie Irving, and then they did, did that. Then they did that. They did something with Kemba Walker a little bit similarly a couple of years later. I think to to my own counter argument, the counter argument against that would be, well, those two things didn't work. Yeah, and I, Damian Lillard, I'm not saying is Kyrie or washed up Kemba Walker, but it just Ooh. at some point. <laughs> well, I mean, it is what it is. If I, I I do wonder if Brad Stevens has the stomach for something like that again. I feel like that again. That, that those were different circumstances. Yes. Um, if this wasn't the new CBA, then maybe, maybe mm-hmm. the Celtics would just say, "Hey, we could go in on Dame," and you say, "Just be a very expensive team, pay yep. the tax, and you move forward." The they are afraid of that second apron and. Brad Stevens is too practical. Danny Ainge was a little bit more free swinging, even though he got the reputation of he's not going to trade his picks. He was definitely more free swinging when the right deal came along. Brad Stevens is a little bit more conservative with that stuff. And with Um, Kyrie, you got off of the Isaiah Thomas situation, which they had knowledge about. And there's not a similar kind of thing here that they're trying to get rid of. There's no, no. All you're doing is you're getting rid of I think, and this might be the most important element. You're getting rid of a lot of good complementary pieces for the Celtics that may not be the best players in the world, but for Boston, they fit and they work around the guys that this team has built. And because the new CBA makes getting those complementary pieces increasingly difficult as you get over that second apron, the Celtics staying where they are, and giving giving up all of those guys, they are going to go over the second apron, so they are limiting their ability to get more of those guys. It's just a bunch of minimums out there, and it's just going to be very tough. I, I, I it's not, it, it's not a practical decision for for the Celtics to make. If if Dame was twenty six, different right. story. But then if it was if he was twenty six, <laughs> none of these offers would be what right. they are. <laughs> right. So. Um, yeah, it, it, there's no way Boston makes it. They probably, they probably contacted Portland at the beginning, said, what would it take? They probably said Jalen Brown and Boston said, thank you. No, thanks. Boom. And because Boston registers, registered some interest early, they've kind of hung around. I don't think there's anything to this. Um, again, other than Brad Stevens, probably talking to them and saying, we we could be interested in facilitating this deal if we get something out of it. So that might be the only way Boston is involved at all. Any interest in Tyler Hero for a couple of first round picks? <laughs> uh, don't Hero for Brogdon and two firsts, and that stuff goes to Portland. I don't know. <laughs> interesting. You know. You know. <laughs> hmm. I y'all would like him in Boston. Just saying, I, you know, <laughs> I mean, hero for Brogdon. And I, I don't know about the firsts. 
I don't know about the firsts, but if One Brogdon, first. if Brogdon is a it, Brad Stevens might do it. They probably he, he's piled up so many second round picks that it might be Brogdon in like four second round picks. Oh, uh, here we go again. You know, there's <laughs> classic John Corrales. Hey, look at hey, Miami can turn second round picks into gold. That's exactly what you want. You just at second round picks, heat culture, spin, stir. I'd rather the first round picks because oh. they turn first round picks into Tyler Hero, who's a great young player. <laughs> John Corrales does a great job covering the Celtics for Locked On Celtics. John, thanks so much for jumping on, man. We appreciate you it. You got it, guys. Welcome back to Locked on Heat. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Every day is we're going to be back tomorrow with a breakdown of what players that you could trade for if they can't complete a Damian Lillard deal. That, of course, is the plan if no Damian Lillard deal happens. Everything's still very much up in the air. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. And make sure to stick with us next week when we come to you with interviews with players uh, from Miami Heat Media Day. Uh, we'll have a bunch of great content coming out of that. We're very excited for it. But, David, now that we've heard from Toronto... We've heard from Boston. Do we? Where do we think the Heat rank in terms of Damian Lillard's suitors? After hearing from again, the Raptors considered, according to ESPN, the front runners, and the Celtics, uh, according to some sports book, a favorite to perhaps land Damian Lillard. What do you think about everything now? I feel a lot less confident than I did yesterday after having heard from Sean. I think huh. John made a pretty clear case for why Boston isn't involved, and I think anybody else that might be involved. In terms of either, you know, what we had previously looked at as a third team or a four team in an expanded deal, either Phoenix or Indiana or Utah or anything, they're interested in getting in for their own varying reasons. But as far as the pursuit of Damian Lillard is concerned, I think it's a two team race between Miami and Toronto right now. I feel like it's virtually neck and neck. I, I, hmm. he, he laid out a pretty cogent argument as to why Toronto is interested in acquiring them. I know that there have been some rumblings about perhaps Toronto's kind of using this scenario in order to determine their viability for acquiring Giannis Antetokounmpo at some point in the future. But I, after talking to Sean and hearing his argument, you know, there isn't, there isn't a strong argument as to why Toronto wouldn't acquire Damian Lillard. I think that's a, a hat that a lot of Heat fans have kind of been hanging on in terms of, mm. you know, oh, he doesn't fit their time frame. He doesn't make them significantly better. They don't want to spend that. Miami could make that same argument, you know, in terms of why they're pursuing Lillard. And I think, you know, both teams would be a damn good team. And and it, Sean makes the point, and I've made it here on this podcast, that you, you never know what's going to happen in the playoffs. There's a lot of randomness involved. You things a couple things break your way, and next thing you know, just like what happened with Miami last season, you could wind up being in the NBA Finals, and that happens a lot more smoothly for Toronto with Dame Lillard in their backcourt. Pascal Siakam's an All NBA player. He just is. You pair <laughs> him with Damian Lillard, who is an All NBA player. That makes a lot of sense. Sean makes a very good point, I, and I agree with him. I think Siakam would be the best player that Damian Lillard ever played with, just as Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo would be in Miami. Um, I also think because he's on a four-year contract, if you're not good enough right now, you have three more years to get good enough. Right. Right. And, and so there's things there. I would say that there is an argument to be made against trading for Damian Lillard if you're Toronto. It is a lot of money. It does, in terms of the cap flexibility and the roster flexibility, hamstring you a bit in building things. If you do view uh, uh, Lillard as a four-year guy, as a four-year fit, or even three years, and maybe you trade him in that final year, even though he's going to be pretty 
pretty old at that point, making $60 million. I don't know that he's very tradable. You're going to have to pay Scott. Like Scotty Barnes is going into year three, man. Like he's a year away from extension talks. Like you're going to have to pay him. You're going to have to probably, if you trade for Lillard, you have to extend and re-sign Pascal Siakam at a really high number. All of a sudden that stuff starts to add up and it becomes a little bit harder for you to, to build that team around Lillard after trading away all the depth that I presume you would have to trade away in the first place. There's not enough shooting. There's, there's not I, I, on that team. If you trade OG um, in that deal, but the other part of it too, is the East is teetering. It's a little wobbly. Uh, it, there's, there's holes and there's avenues to the finals. If you have Pascal Siakam, Damian Lillard, Scotty Barnes and, and and a good organization, which the Toronto Raptors are. So I'm with you on the Raptors. I agree with you and John on the Celtics. After hearing it from John, I'm so glad we brought him on because he basically laid it out. Like they, the Celtics kind of can't do it. Right. Like they, they, they really just can't. Right. And so wipe them off. Wipe them off. The table. I never really bought Boston's interest in the first place. So let's just wipe them away. If it's between Toronto and Miami, I think that the, I think both of these things are kind of happening on separate streets, right? I think Toronto is having conversations with Portland. What is it going to take? Is it even, is it going to take Scotty Barnes? If it does, it's probably a non-starter. Could we interest you in OG Ananobi and other things and a couple of picks? How many picks? What's that going to look like? I think those conversations are perhaps still ongoing. Um, then there's the other street. On that street, the Miami Heat, like the Portland Trailblazers don't live on that street. The Heat live on this other street. Right. And so do the Indiana Pacers and the Utah Jazz and the Brooklyn Nets and all these other teams. And and you and Matt Moore on the uh, Monday night, Tuesday morning lockdown NBA did a great job breaking all this down and reporting on the latest of this, where you guys are talking about how the Heat are operating and, and talking with these other teams. Just because the Heat have not spoken directly with Portland doesn't mean they're not trying to put something together over here on this other street. And by the way, Miami doesn't, Miami doesn't necessarily have to ever get on the phone with Portland to complete a deal. They just need somebody else. They can have Indiana's GM get on the phone with Portland and be like, hey, can we check this box? We're good. All right. Now let's call it into the front office. Maybe it's James Jones, friend of Pat Riley, in charge of running the show over there with the Phoenix Suns. Um, all That's, that stuff is yeah, happening. Can, in I, can I just piggyback on that Go real ahead. quick? Because a lot Go of ahead. our viewers and listeners don't seem to understand that. They think that there has to be this direct conversation. If it's a multi-team deal, that does not need to be the case. Again, as we've laid out many times on this show, Portland is fully aware of what Miami has on the table. It's just a matter of getting all the pieces to complement one another that makes Portland happy and any other team involved to get them what they want. And, and Miami does not have to necessarily interact closely uh, as, you know, again, a lot of these reports have negated the fact that Miami and Portland really haven't talked much over the last few weeks, maybe even over the last few months. There's a reason why. There's no change yeah. that can be brought about by these conversations happening more frequently. I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody does. No. But if I were to venture a guess, I think it would be one of two things. I think the first thing would be that Portland trades Damian Lillard to Toronto in a two-team deal, the Trailblazers and the Raptors. Right. The second thing is that Portland trades Damian Lillard to Miami in a deal that could involve four, maybe even five different teams. Possibly. And that's those, are, I think, are the two outcomes here. We have not heard of a realistic contender, real suitor, outside of Toronto and outside of Miami. And we don't know by the, we know Miami offered something in July. There has been no report of an official offer made by Toronto. So maybe all this ultimately is leverage that Portland is trying to make. And there has been some reports out of Toronto that that's, or, or I'm sorry, out of, uh, no, yeah, out of Toronto, that that's essentially what this boils down to is Portland trying to uh, create some leverage 
right. in a market that they otherwise have no leverage in. And that to me makes a lot of sense as well. But also, just like Sean laid out, it would make a lot of sense to me if the Raptors just said, screw it, let's just go get Damon Lillard. We think that we're, we're betting on his professionalism. We think he'll show up and we think we'll be a, a good team with Damon Lillard, regardless of when we win a championship or not. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know where to tune in to get all the latest news, the reporting. We're breaking it all down uh, here on Locked on Heat. Thanks again to everybody that got us to over 10,000 subscribers. We are so Pumped about that. To get to that, David, before the season even starts, we're really excited about what this season is going to be for us here on the YouTube channel. Of course, you could find Lockdown Heat wherever it is that you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, however it is that you listen to your pods. Thanks for subscribing to Lockdown Heat and making us your first listen every day. Every dayers will be back tomorrow with a breakdown of what players he could trade for if they can't complete the Damon Lillard deal. David, I have a name that's going to surprise you slash maybe even bother you. Oh. Maybe even bother you. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. No Joel Embiid. It's not Joel Embiid. But All right. All it right. is somebody who has once played with Joel Embiid. Oh. How's that? <laughs>